Hello, my name is Joanna Bailey. And I'm Tom Boone. Welcome to the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we have for you this week. Coming up in today's show, the UK begins its 14-day quarantine requirement. What are the rules and what does the industry think? Tensions between Trump and China cause headaches for airlines and the Middle East begins to come back from the crisis. Finally, as Lufthansa is forced to give up some slots, could Wiz make a return to Frankfurt? So, now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. So, I think you want to start today, Joe, talking about the sort of rules and regulations of the quarantine before I start <laughs> ripping it to shreds. Is that right? <laughs> That's the idea. So, um, we're recording this on Monday, and today is the first day of the UK's quarantine requirements. So, um, as of this morning, anybody arriving in the UK has to isolate for 14 days. And this includes British nationals. The only exceptions to this rule are those arriving from um, what they're calling the common travel area, which is Ireland, the Isle of Man and the Channel Islands. And there are some exemptions for specific workers, but honestly, not many people fall into that category. So for most of us, if you leave the country, then you've got to deal with being in one place for two weeks and not going outside. So... Um, the rules as they stand are that when you arrive, you have to fill in a form and say where you're going to be staying. If you refuse to fill in the form or don't have somewhere to stay, um, a refusal will be, I think, a £100 penalty. And if you don't have somewhere suitable to stay, the government has said they will arrange somewhere for you to stay, but they haven't elaborated at all on where that would be or who would pay for it. So, um, still some kind of grey areas, despite it all kicking off this morning. Um, Once you are at the place that you're going to stay for your 14 days, you have to stay at home and get others to do your shopping. So you're not even allowed out for essential things. I think the only kind of leeway on that is real medical emergencies. So um, if you break that, then it's a thousand pounds fine, which is about $1,200. Um, and the police can enforce that. And apparently people will be checking up by phone and things like that. There were some loopholes when this was originally announced, and one that I particularly liked was uh, dubbed the Dublin Dodge. So you could uh, you could have originally flown into Ireland and then made your way to the UK and kind of got away with it. But they've closed off all those loopholes, so now you have to be in the common travel area for a minimum of 14 days before you arrive in the UK in order to do the Dublin Dodge, if you like. So it's not really a dodge at all because you've already done your 14 days just somewhere else. Um, so I just wanted to go through some of the questions that people have been asking um, on social media and, and in our comments about the, the quarantine so far. There's a lot of people worried about if they share a home with a partner or housemate or whatever, um, do those people also have to enter a 14-day quarantine period? The, the advice on that is no, they don't. But the person who's quarantining should minimise the time spent in communal areas. So things like, you know, not spending too much time in the lounge and kitchen, using separate hand towels and obviously cleaning down areas thoroughly when they've used them. Um, 
One thing that I did find interesting was that your quarantine period doesn't start when your feet hit British soil. It starts at midnight and one minute the next day. So if you arrive on a morning flight, um, you know, you could well be in your quarantine place by lunchtime. um, But actually, your 14 days doesn't start until one minute past midnight the next day. So it's kind of 14 and a half days in some people's situations. Yeah, like if you're on the first flight, that could even be nearly 15 days for you. Exactly, exactly. So, a bit bizarre. Um, can you travel from the airport? Well, of course you can. You can't quarantine at the airport. They have said that a private car is preferable, but they haven't entirely ruled out the use of public transport, which I find absolutely bizarre. Um, and hmm. you can even stay overnight on the way to the place that you're quarantining, which the mind boggles, really. Um So there's a lot of kind of things that don't really add up with this whole quarantine. And and many people are saying, is it too little too late? The policing of it's going to be impossible. Um, The Minister for Crime and Policing actually spoke out this morning and said that the entire thing is going to rely on enormous compliance from the population. So really, the question is, is is there any point to this or are they just punishing travel firms unnecessarily? Tom, go for it. I know you've got lots to say on this topic. (laughs) Well... Let me start by just saying it's complete rubbish. <laughs> it's, <laughs> Don't mince um, your words there then, Mr. Bean. <laughs> no, no. I mean, um, every airline, in the, it's, it's basically the UK shooting its own airlines in the foot, you know, because every airline now is kind of looking at its recovery. You know, Lufthansa is going to operate 70% of its schedule, I think, by the end of June or July. Yeah. And that's okay because if Lufthansa's traffic is affected by the UK quarantine. That's what, maybe like two or three routes. Yeah. Frankfurt to London, Frankfurt to Manchester, Munich to Manchester, you know. But they can fly all British Airways. Yeah. yeah, British Airways, every single route goes into London. Yeah. So every (laughs) single route is affected by the quarantine, except maybe transit passengers. But I mean, if you look at the demographic of British Airways passengers, the number of people transiting is quite low which yeah. is the same for any well maybe not the big middle east carriers that are built around that but yeah that's not what you know. british airways is about the people tend to yeah. fly british airways either to get out of britain or to get into britain not to kind yeah. of go to britain on their way somewhere else so yeah, yeah absolutely really difficult for them now yeah so i mean it's an interesting one um i know ba themselves were talking about launching legal action, and I think they've now done that as of yesterday. Wow. Um, And I do hope they succeed because it's just a pointless exercise in being pointless. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved Michael O'Leary's comments on this. Um, He was saying that it's, well, he was rightly saying that it's going to be policed by um, phone calls. Right, yes. um, Which sounds reasonable. They're going to be phoning your mobile phone. Yeah, and he was saying you can answer your mobile phone at a golf course. You can answer your mobile phone on a supermarket in a supermarket on a beach. <laughs> yeah. I guess in the supermarket you might be given away by the woman saying unexpected item in the bagging area. <laughs> um, but if you're on a golf course, you know who's going to know? No, exactly. And um, it's, it's just it's nonsensical, really. Like you say, it's going to be hmm. absolutely impossible to police. But would you travel to the UK on the basis that you can probably slide away with not following the quarantine regulations? Probably not, with a thousand pound fine hanging over your head. I'm I'm planning to go to the UK, but I'm waiting until after the quarantine goes, or I'm exempted from it because yeah, it's not a risk I want to take. You know, like I don't want to throw away a thousand pounds if I do get caught. 
by some exactly and i think most people will think the same so in (laughs) in a nutshell there's no point in it it's too late and it doesn't work and and but it will stop people traveling so look at the numbers you know i'm coming from germany if i come our we've got like a really low incidence of coronavirus now our numbers are way down they've stayed down whilst the lockdown has been eased yeah you know if anything it should be germany saying you can't come in from the uk quite right we've got one of the Um, you know the the handling i won't i won't get into the politics of it all but you know it's been an absolute disaster it's been a bit of a poop Mm. show to be honest and uh, yeah it's a real ridiculously stupid move by the government to put this 14 days in place it's going to destroy any hope our carriers had of making a profit through the summer months um so i guess all we can hope for is that it will arrive quickly peter out quickly and go away just as quickly (laughs) yeah well i'm i'm sure that they said they're going to review it in three weeks Um, okay if it doesn't get reviewed before then I'm sure the three weeks is when it's either going to get scrapped or there's going to be a little bit of common sense saying people like Tom can come in because yeah. they're very low risk. Exactly, exactly. You know, it's, it's, I still, I'm still baffled by the UK's response to this in general, you know, like <laughs> I everything's think the whole reopening world is. here. <laughs> and well, like, this is the thing, you know, like I can see that masks are being made mandatory from mid-June Yeah. Um, on a load of things, but there's... Still people not wearing them now, you know? It's like, what harm does it do? Why didn't we do you know, that I three was, weeks ago? Or, well, yeah, at I was start. looking at all these photos of the protests and there's all these people wearing masks, but they're not over their face or mouth. Yeah, they've got them down around their chin or they've got their nose yeah. poking out or they just haven't got yeah. one on at all. And uh, yeah, it's, it's bizarre, it, it really is. And the whole time me, we've had our borders completely open. So why yeah. it would make sense to shut them now, which the yeah. mind boggles. I, yeah, I don't get it so, anyway. <laughs> we've had our little do, rant. <laughs> yeah, I do worry for the um, UK airlines, but I hope that they're successful in their, um, in their legal action against this. I absolutely agree, Tom. So... Let us know, you know, do write in and let us know what your thoughts are on the UK quarantine and whether you think it was a good idea or whether you think it was just bizarre like we do. Uh, Maybe we're looking from a biased point of view being in the kind of aviation industry. But uh, yeah, do let us know what your thoughts are. (laughs) So, um, Tom, there's been kind of weird things happening on the other side of the Atlantic as well, hasn't there? Yeah, so, um, I mean... China and America is always sort of a running news story. Um, it's not always related to aviation, though. Typically, it's about like trade tariffs or so. But this week, um, the whole situation did become related to aviation. And that's because Delta and United, I think, are looking to resume flights to China, um, along with a load of other destinations here and there. Um, but... Um, it was becoming difficult for them to um, secure permission from the Chinese to relaunch these flights. And at one point, um, I believe uh, the government or the DOT was saying that China was making it unnecessarily difficult, um, which is not like the end of the world. Like There were some words it could have been dealt with, but apparently the US wasn't happy with how it was being dealt with because um, in a sort of tit-for-tat thing, they decided to ban Chinese carriers from entering uh, the US from June the 16th. Um, and this was because of the restrictions that the US airlines were having on in China. For no other um, reason, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, and it seems that it did work um, because China has relaxed things now. Um, it's They're now going to be able to resume some flights. Um, I'm not entirely sure whether the US has still relaxed things um, completely, but... I uh, think they, we'll were, to, they were looking to make it slightly yeah. easier, but I'm not I sure mean, if when, it's been completely backtracked on. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's com- been completely fixed, but I know when they made the original um, order, it did say that um, we will reconsider it if China makes it easier for us to fly there. So, um, so what were the reasons some... for China stopping the US carriers? Was it because of the instance of COVID in the US or was it more of a political sort of thing? I mean, I'm not entirely sure myself. You know, I would think either could actually be reasonable excuses at this point in time. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it's, I think... I don't think this story is over. Um, I think we could easily see more happening here or there um, yeah. with regards to it. But I did have some interesting facts recently, actually, about US and Chinese aviation. Oh, right. Um, and that was that um, the sort of Chinese aviation industry, um, it exceeded the US aviation industry for the first time ever. So what happened was... Um, Obviously, China is sort of quite a bit ahead of the other countries in terms of recovery because it was uh, the first one affected by the current crisis. So they're about two months ahead. And um, while the US's traffic figures are still quite down low, they're starting to recover a little bit. China's Mm -hmm. are up significantly. So China carried, uh, handled around 20, uh, sorry, 200,000 flights uh, across their passenger airlines in May. All and right. in terms of China, uh, US airlines, that was only 170,000. Wow. And it's just interesting because this is the first time in history that China has operated more flights than the US in a month. And they're only operating really domestically at the moment, aren't they? There's not much going on internationally from China. Yeah, um, I mean, we see a lot of um, Chinese aircraft landing at Frankfurt at the moment, but I think it's mainly freight stuff. So I'm not sure... Right. That would be considered in the topic uh, in the figures because it was quite clear that it was passenger flights. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, it just shows mm. you the the people's desire to move. You know, is is yeah. still there despite all the worries and oh, the yes. scariness of COVID. It looks like people are willing to travel, which is great news for the rest of the industry. You know, kind of looking mm. from the outside in. So, hopefully, really kind of gives us some hope that we're going to come back from this unscathed or with not too many more I mean, casualties. I'm looking to fly to somewhere in Europe now that it's reopening. So <laughs> Lucky you. I would, yep. but then I'd have to stay home <laughs> for two weeks. <laughs> when you work from home, it's not so bad. True, true. <laughs> so um, talking about the kind of restart of flights, um, China obviously was first, but now we're really seeing a restart in another part of the world, which is the Middle East. Um So the Middle East grounded all um, transit flights. They didn't allow anybody to transit through Middle East hubs since March the 24th, um, or certainly the UAE anyway. Um, So they've now relaxed that. The UAE federal government said on June the 4th that transit services could restart. And that has really given a a huge boost to both Emirates and Etihad to start adding flights and regrowing their networks, which is great to see. Um, 
So on literally the day of the announcement, uh, both Emirates and Etihad announced lots more services would be restarting in the coming days. Emirates was already flying to nine destinations prior to that, but obviously without the kind of usual transit process in place, I believe they had some interesting workarounds that we talked about before. So they're going to be adding another 16 destinations pretty much immediately. Um, and they're also adding Manila, I think, later this week. Etihad as well, they announced 26 cities um, to be connected to Abu Dhabi, which was 11 in Europe and nine in Asia and Australia, beginning on June the 10th, so in a couple of days from now when we're recording on Monday. Um, so, really good to see. And it's really kind of making those bridges between, you know, east and west. They're putting them back in place and letting people travel um, on those long haul routes again. So, it'll be interesting to see what the uptake is and how many people are actually jumping on board. Um, Qatar in particular has got some really big ambitions. Now, they weren't really affected as much. There wasn't a, a big move to ground flights in Qatar. So, um, they were actually still flying to 30 destinations, even at the height of the crisis. So, you know, they've been doing really well, actually. Um, but their ramp up is quite astounding. They've targeted 50 destinations by the end of May. Obviously, we're right at the start of June now. I'm not sure if they've got there or if they've exceeded that already. But by the end of June, they're looking to be up to 80 destinations. Um, and as a result of this kind of rapid ramp up last week, they declared themselves the world's largest carrier. I think that's the first time Qatar's ever been considered the world's largest carrier. So that's really good news. Um, but with these increased networks, it's important to point out that, yes, the networks are increasing, but frequencies are massively reduced. So, this is not kind of business as usual by any stretch of the imagination. Some of the services are going to be daily, some as little as once a week. So, you know, there's still an awful lot of planes on the ground doing nothing at all. And it's still going to be some time before we really see anything like what we saw in the past. Um, and I actually watched a really interesting interview with um, Tim Clark, Emirates CEO, last week. He was being interviewed by Aviation Week. Um, and he said lots of exciting things, but he's very focused on a vaccine being developed and thinks that that will happen and that things will eventually get back to how they were before. Although he does admit it could be 2024 before things return to normal. Um, but he also said that he doesn't think business travel will go away, which was interesting because obviously Emirates relies heavily on premium passengers and business class travel. So, you know, the fact that people have got used to working from home and are using Zoom a lot more and things like that, he doesn't see that as a threat. He said that he was told the same back when the internet became a big thing in the 90s. And, you know, everybody said that people would remote work and they wouldn't need to meet anymore. And it didn't happen. You know, flights and demand for flights grew exponentially. And he thinks it'll be the same right now. Most interestingly, he said that Emirates would very much like to partner with a US Big Three airline. Um, so, that's uh, that will be something very exciting to watch if uh, anything becomes of that. And I guess it will depend an awful lot on the, uh, the US airlines being receptive to that sort of an offer. But uh, it's much needed. You know, the kind of resistance of the US to connect with a, a Gulf airline is uh, it kind of throws all the points and the miles and the, the whole connectivity issue out of kilter. So, it would be very exciting to see uh, see something happening there. Hmm. 
Well, I don't think it would be American because they've just recently done their partnership with Qatar. And um, I think Al Baker would properly kick off if they suddenly said they were going to partner <laughs> with uh, one of his rivals as well. Absolutely, yes. Um, no, although I... I think it would be an interesting thing to watch. Um, that might <laughs> finally tip him over the edge with regards to his One World membership. Uh, it really but, would, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Emirates and Etihad, they're not part of any of the big alliances, are they? Um, Emirates isn't for sure. I don't think Etihad Mm. either is. Um, uh, For Emirates, I personally, my money would be on Delta. You know, Delta's very good at cultivating these kind of non-alliance two-way partnerships with other airlines. They've got one with Virgin, you know, they're they're down south with Latam. Um, And Latam is already a partner of Etihad. They already do connecting flights between the two. So it would kind of tie in with Emirates' game plan and with Delta's if they did do a tie-up. And I just don't see United going for it, to be honest. I just don't think it's... It's not the way they operate. You know, they're much more kind yeah. of reserved in the way that they do code shares and expansions and things. So that's where my money would be. But I don't know what mm. Ed Bastian would have to say about that prediction. <laughs> I think it's certainly one to watch. Um, but I think the other interesting thing that I just want to pick up on on what you just said was that Qatar have declared themselves the biggest carrier in the world. Yeah. Um, and I love the fact that Qatar has declared itself the biggest carrier in the world, not like um, Sirium has said that they're the biggest carrier in the world. Or Can you just do that? I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's not, I'm sure it doesn't seem to be based on any realistic passenger statistics or flight statistics. It's just literally, yeah, they said so. So must be true, yeah. I guess. Oh, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure they've like put some maths into it because they wouldn't just say it, surely. But... You never know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know that Sirium do do that analysis because Southwest overtook um, as the biggest airline a few weeks back, didn't they? And there's been Mm. some kind of toing and froing with people having grounded fleets and more fleets. And I'd be interested to know what they think. So, uh, hey, Sirium, if you're listening, let us know. (laughs) Mm. So So, what what is whizzing into your backyard, Tom? (laughs) Well, uh, I kind of... (laughs) think it won't, but it would be a nice thing. But let's discuss it. So um, Wiz was having their results call last week. Yeah. Um, And there was some interesting stuff in there. But what really caught my eye was when um, Joseph Ferrari talked about Frankfurt. Because Mm -hmm. anything with Frankfurt, I'm like, ooh. Um, (laughs) And this is actually something that's been sort of going on for a while. Because I first flew Wiz from Frankfurt in January and then... Basically, a month later, not even that, they're like, oh, by the way, we're pulling out of Frankfurt because um, all of the low-cost carriers about three years ago started to get discounts, which drew them into Frankfurt. But I think on Lufthansa not being happy, these discounts were incrementally dropped. Um, And April this year was when they were finally cut out altogether. And um, we were speaking to Ryanair's O'Leary before. He told me that they're definitely sticking there. But Wiz said the opposite thing. They were like, we're coming out of um, Frankfurt because it costs us too much. Yeah. And that was sort of a big shame. But now there's this whole thing of, I think, was it last week or the week before on the podcast we were talking about Lufthansa's Lufthansa's bailout? bailout. Yeah, I think it was last week. And uh, I Mm. think at the time they hadn't quite decided if they were ready to give up some slots in exchange for all that money. But uh, I think now a decision has been made. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, um, I think it still needs shareholder approval, but the board has now said, um, we recommend that you vote for this. 
um, and that would free up slots in Frankfurt. And Wiz said, in theory, they would be interested in these slots. However, the sort of in theory comes with a lot of um, attachments. So mm -hmm. they were saying they've got to have the scalability to be able to grow their operation in Frankfurt. Yeah. And also there needs to be some discussion on cost because that's still very much the bottom line for them in terms yeah. of um, moving to Frankfurt. And while I think that it's sort of an interesting thing, I don't think the stars will quite align this time because um, I don't see Frankfurt cutting fees again um, because no. if Frankfurt does it, if they do it for Wiz, then Ryanair's going to come asking and then Lufthansa's going to get angry again. It's just going to create more hassle than it's worth, I think. so. Yeah, I completely while, agree with that. Yeah, while I would love to see it, I think it's just kind of a dream at the moment. But I did think it was interesting that um, Viradi took the time to say, in theory, we would be interested. Yeah, no, I think uh, it's very much on his radar and he's probably mm. had quite a lot of inquiries about why he left and, and would yeah. he go back. But uh, I think he's got well, his I head mean, screwed on the right way. You know, at the end of the day, it's awfully expensive at Frankfurt and it's very, very Lufthansa dominated. You know, it's the same reason Ryanair and EasyJet don't fly from Heathrow. It's uh, not that sort of airport. And I think that's kind of how Frankfurt is beginning to position itself. Well, yeah, I mean, there is some movement because they're building the third terminal at the south of the airport now, and that is meant to be the low-cost terminal, so oh. Ryanair's quite excited for that, but I mean, it's still quite a way down the line until it's finished, I think, you know, they're still, yeah. I think they're still working on foundations and stuff um, for the buildings, but... Oh, a few years um, off yet then. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because when I flew on Wiz, we used a jet bridge from Terminal 2, but um, when I did the airport tour, there was... Uh, their aircraft were right down at Terminal 3 on the ramp that's already been built, oh. um, having to take the buses. And I've done that with Ryanair before as well. So Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess it could be if there's the capacity and if they lower the fees at that terminal, it could end up being a home to with mm. air again. But uh, I think they've got well, lots of other things going on. <laughs> they're they're kind of focused on other things at the moment. But uh, It's sad, but I would love to see it personally because I just love... I, I've flown them once, but it was a really great experience. And was it a good cheese like sandwich, to Tom? Back. It was. It was. It was the one that we talked about two weeks ago with the olives in. Oh, <laughs> I'd have loved that personally, but uh, <laughs> I know you're not uh, the hottest on olives. But let's no. not get sidetracked with cheese sandwiches again. Why? <laughs> <laughs> in fact, do you know what? I think that's probably about it for today's podcast. So we mm. hope you've all enjoyed it, and welcome any feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed this podcast, please do leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>